Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you on the Friday before the Saturday that will be something absolutely special. We know that. And to highlight that, we're going to have rugby throughout the show this morning. Carlos Spencer, the king, King Carlos, uh, in a few minutes' time. Looking forward to that. What's uh, Carlos been up to? Of course, he's got that fight for life on his plate as well. And then after 10 o'clock, uh, Whitney Hansen. Black Fern's assistant coach, daughter of Sir Steve, of course, but uh, very much in her own right, a coach on the way forward. Uh, perhaps the first ever Black Fern's full-time head coach. We'll wait and see. But uh, early days for her in her coaching career. We'll have a chat to Whitney. The panel this morning is uh, Ross Carl and Brad Lewis. Uh, then after 11 o'clock, uh, having talked to Carlos, we better go inside the Crusaders camp and, as well just to get some balance. So we're going to go to Corey Flynn. Of course, 150 games for the Crusaders in the engine room, right up front. No one knows more about it than Corey Flynn. That is our show today. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. It's the final everyone wanted, wrong, every Australian fan, together with those of the Chiefs, the Hurricanes, Highlanders, Moana Pacifica and Fiji and Drua. They didn't want this final at all. They wanted their teams in it. But it's the final everyone expected. The Mighty Blues and their record says they have been just that, hosting the champion Crusaders and record uh, of theirs says they are just that as well. A sellout. They are confirming that it's possibly the best news of the lot. People going back to rugby, people swarming back to sporting events. I hope the conditions are good and dry because there's nothing worse than getting the back of your jacket wet when you're breakdancing in the middle of Eden Park. And that will be Razor's predicament. What to wear for the big occasion. All his other work is done from Taylor to Grace to Mawunga to Jordan. The spine is primed. Regardless of the weather, the streets will be sodden post-match. Streams of blue fans will be crying rivers of tears as they begin the long and tedious evacuation process. Cream, as they say, rises to the top. The loneliest bloke of all will be the poor painter who once again has to scale the lighting towers at Orange Theory Stadium to put 2022 on that already long list. Aside, aside from the very predictable result, let's pray for 80 minutes of 15 on 15. 
Let's on Sunday and Monday look back on the players and the battle, not the colours of the cards. Let's just hope that the refereeing boss has pointed out to tomorrow night's committee it's sold out to watch the players, not the officials. Just because the stage is big, don't dominate it or ruin it. And how about this for you Blues fans? Richie Mwanga bursts clear, runs 40 metres to score under the post, but doesn't dot it down under the black dot. Instead he turns right, runs down the goal line and places the ball in the corner, promptly kicks the conversion from wide out and gives the crowd the old Carlos salute. Ah, the memories, the feeling. It will be so special regardless. And here's a tune for you to practice on, Razor. And it goes a little something like this. Well, I've had fun, haven't they, this morning on The Breakfast Show, and uh, we'll look to continue it now with uh, a chat to uh, one of the great legends of New Zealand rugby, but here for another purpose, uh, principally, it seems, because on July the 21st, the Dean Lonergan-promoted charity boxing event Fight for Life makes its return with a stacked undercard on the top of an exciting headlining bout between all-black legend Kevin Mialamu and Warriors' favourite Warangi Kopo. Uh, the undercard includes Leon Messon and uh, Carlos Spencer, plus two of the country's best boxing prospects in Andre Mikhailovich and Jerome Papaloni. Uh, they'll also be on the card. Andre uh, improved his record to 18-0 and the other night with a very conclusive knockout in Brisbane. But today we turn our attentions to the battle between King Carlos and Paul Fatuera. It's my pleasure to welcome the man known as the King to SENZ in the mornings, Carlos Spencer. And I guess uh, as well as uh, welcome to our show, Carlos, it's a, it's a welcome home as well. Uh, tell us what you've been up to, mate. Yeah, first of all, morning everyone. How's it going? Yeah, um, just been back in the country just under a week. I've uh, just been in the States for five and a half months with um, with Nola Gold in New Orleans here and... Uh, yeah, really good experience over there and um, really enjoyed my time, but um, it's always great to be back home, especially when you're away from the family for so long. So um, happy to be back and uh, now I've got to get into some serious training for a boxing match. <laughs> oh, exactly right. And that, of course, is the, the boxing match against Paul Whatawera, Paul of course, a former Kiwi. Um, do you know him? Have you met Paul Fotowera before now? Do you know much about him? No, I haven't. I, I haven't, um, haven't even heard of him until, um, I suppose, uh, the boys got in touch with me and see if I'd be keen to jump back in the ring. So um, I did a little bit of research on him. Um, but Smithy, to be honest, bugger all, bro. And um, I think it's just, um, for me, it's just about focusing on me and what I need to do, really. Well, you've done it before. I mean, you, you got yourself into a pretty good nick. There's a few years back, though. How are you feeling about it now? Oh, mate, buddy, excited. Um, you know, I can't wait. Um, you know, I'm always up for a challenge. You know, I'm bloody competitive. Uh, so, yeah, just really excited to get back in there after, I think it's been eight years. You know, I probably never thought I'd do it after my sort of last ass whipping from Monty. Um, but uh, here I am again. Um, they've convinced me once again, but um, yep, overall just excited bro, can't wait. 
Okay, you've got a, uh, around about five weeks, I kind of estimate, so that uh, you've got to do a, a quite a lot of work in a short space of time. Who, who's in your corner? Who's helping you prepare for this? Yeah, I've got a local boy, Mikey Wolf, who runs Eastside Boxing here in um, Hamilton, so um, I joined up with him on Monday. Um, yeah, he's experienced, um, he knows what he's doing, and um, you know, we've got a bit of work to do, but I think just for me, um, I think it's just really around skill set. You know, if I had to jump in the ring tomorrow, I think physically and mentally I, I'm, up, I'm up to the task. It's just learning how to box again for me. So it's just about skill set for me over the next four weeks. And uh, yeah, like I said, just learning how to box again. So how much, how much work will you do, Carlos? I mean, how many days a week will you be in there? Uh, to be honest, Smithy, I've been in there every day this week. Um, so I've got another session tomorrow and I've got my first sparring session um, tomorrow as well so I'm, I'm not looking forward to that <laughs> um, but it's, hey, it's got to be done so I'm going to be I'm going to have to be in there at least four four times a week um, to be honest and if I've got time I'll you know I'll make it five or six um, unfortunately I just don't have a lot of time so I just want to make sure I'm prepared and um, you know be ready Honestly, yeah, uh, there are always good causes that uh, Dean Lonergan comes up for, and this one is uh, a really pertinent one these days, of course. It's the I Am Hope uh, charity uh, as yeah. well because of uh, mental health and suicide prevention, and I guess it's an area that you've experienced some pretty close contact with over the years too, Carlos. Yeah, I just think um, they do a tremendous job, you know, and like they said, the, over the years, the amount of money, money they've raised for charities, and, you know, I Am Hope this year, and, you know, obviously Mike King and his team and the work that they do around, you know, young Tamariki and like you said, it's just a tremendous cause and, you know, if I can take a, a couple of punches um, for a great cause then I'm more than happy to do that. Kevin Mialamu um, is um, one of the top billings with uh, Wairangi Kupu. Who would you pick there, knowing Kevi? Oh, well, I've got to pick my rugby bro, of course, man, and, um, you know, but, uh, hey, to be honest, he's he's picked a, a tough one first up, you know, uh, Wairangi's, but he's, he's probably more experienced, he's got the height, he's got the reach, but, um, you know, I'm backing Kevy all the way, and um, although Wairangi's also a good bro of mine as well, so, so it's a tough one, but, hey, I've got to go rugby. What attracted you to go to um, New Orleans, Carlos, and New Orleans Gold, and, and um, what was the experience like in a city that's probably dominated, really, by uh, the New Orleans Saints, to be fair? What's the traction like for rugby there? Yeah, yeah, it was a last-minute thing, really. I just got approached. Um, they were obviously looking for a coach, and um, you know, I was just hanging around and doing nothing at the time, and I thought, you yeah, know, what a great opportunity um, to experience something different. Um, and I'm glad I did. You know, like you said, it's, it's dominated by the um, by the Saints, um, which is just across the road from where we trained, actually. Um, so the exposure over there in terms of rugby is not great. I'm still very amateur, to be honest. Um, but I think there's potential for the sport to grow. You know, they're getting a lot of foreigners over there uh, now. But when I say foreigners, it's those guys that are coming to the end of their careers and probably want to just finish off their last year or two playing a little bit easier rugby like the money's not great um financially um but it's actually a good little comp you know it's quite competitive but like all competitions you know you sort of got your three or four big teams with a lot of money that you know are able to buy in uh more foreigners um so it's, it's another one of those competitions really where money's a big factor and if you can afford to buy in players then those are the teams that sort of dominate the competition like your LA your New York um so yeah but other than that man it, it, it was really good the experience was good big 
big big travel though you know some of our travel times were sort mm. of four six hour flights especially when you got a stopover um mm. you know so some hefty flights involved in the in the comp but um overall man just really enjoyed the experience it was uh it was awesome Carlos, if you if you had to pick a level of rugby in New Zealand where it's currently at in America, where would you say uh, it compares oh, to? I wouldn't I wouldn't put it up there with Mighty Ten Cup. Nah, I, I think it's a level below that. Um, and you know when you think about it, you, you're competing with NFL, basketball, baseball. So in terms of US based players, you're only really getting the rejects from those sports. You know, so you're not getting junior and rugby players over there until about the age of let's say 17 or 18 you know so they rely a lot on foreigners um so that's why i think you know they're, they're a way off but i think in terms of the experience that they can get obviously from the foreigners um you know unless they build their grassroots rugby and i'm not sure how they're going to do that with obviously the the big sports that they've got over there already um you yeah, know i just don't see it growing rapidly anytime soon so for you was this a one-off or are you going back yeah no i think so just a one-off you know i i, I went over there for the experience um and experienced something different which was good um now it's just about being based here now my, my boy's in his, he's in his last year of high school you know he's got a mm -hmm. couple of options next year uh, so i want to be around for that you know first time out of home so I just want to make sure he's settled over the next year and make sure I'm around for him. So the plan is just to hang around here for now. And, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what the future holds in terms of coaching, but it's just, you know, about being here for the family now for the next sort of 12 months. Good stuff. Uh, Carlos, uh, whilst you've been over there, have you been able to keep track or keep tabs on, on what's been happening here in the rugby world? Oh, only on YouTube, to be honest, uh, Smithy. So I haven't really caught um, a lot of it. You know, obviously watched the games last week, um, which was good. But, um, yeah, not a lot over there, you know. It's just sort of you get a five-minute clip on YouTube and that's sort of been, uh, been um, able to keep a, a, an eye on it, really. I would imagine have a, a relatively close eye on uh, Eden Park tomorrow night. Are, are you going? Yeah, I, I'd love to go. But like I said, you know, busy day tomorrow with my boys' rugby and then I've got my mm. first sparring session. Uh, tomorrow evening, um, so unfortunately I won't be able to make it. Um, right, should be a, should be a great atmosphere, and hopefully, well, well, it sounds like they've got a full out crowd, so that's going to be awesome. Um, so it would well, definitely, be, I would have loved to have been there to watch the Blues kick the Crusaders' ass. <laughs> I was about to ask you that how you, how you thought it gave you. You summed it up quite nicely there, very quickly. Uh, I got to ask you. Remember that? Remember that time? And I highlighted in my in my sermon in a bit of a sarcastic way about Richie Moanga doing the same thing. You know when you did turn right at the posts and kick the corner, kick the conversion from yeah. the corner. Uh, did, did you actually plan that, or is that just something that came to you uh, as you nah. as you were about to dot it down? No, I think it was just come to me as soon as I went to dot it down. You know, I don't know why I did I just think I think it's just a matter of just wasting time I think it, I, it must have just popped in my mind late as soon as I crossed the the white chalk there I thought oh no I've got to waste time the game's almost over one I just walk it to the sideline um so that was purely it was just it was, it was a time wasted thing for me it wasn't to rub anything into the Crusaders um although a lot of people think it it was but it was just a, a time waster walk it to the corner kill 30 seconds and then you know cruise to the um, uh, the point where I took the kick, didn't really worry about the kick going over at all. Uh, I didn't even take my time. I think I, I just walked back, 
kicked it and it went over. Um, so it's probably a little bit of luck, to be honest, in terms of that conversion. It was a hell of a moment. I got, I got to, <laughs> I got to say that. Uh, I mean, you weren't born and bred uh, Auckland. You, you know, you, you went up there, uh, of course. But uh, what about the feeling between the Blues and the Crusaders? Uh, what is it about that? Oh, you know, I, I think it only really started when I was when I was playing, you know, or when I first come onto the scene, um, you know, I just think the Blues were sort of, well, Blues and Auckland seemed to be winning everything at the time in the in the mid-90s and late-90s and, you know, no one really liked Auckland or the Blues. Man, I even hated them. And uh, growing up growing up in Hodafanu, I just couldn't wait for someone to beat Auckland, you know, and then I ended up moving there and unfortunately everyone started hating me because I don't know whether it's because I was a little bit of an arrogant prick or... I was wearing the blue and white, uh, <laughs> but uh, that's just the way it was, you know, and I think the Mertz Spencer thing in terms of that probably helped uh, it, it as well, um, but it's just that rivalry over the years, you know, where we just sort of so competitive, um, and I think it was not just the Crusaders, I, I just think it was everyone against Auckland back in those sort of mid-90s, late-90s, because they were winning everything, and now it's probably like that now with the Crusaders, um, everyone wants the Crusaders to lose because they've been so dominant for the last 10 years, you know. Mm, yeah, I, I, I think that's a fair point. Listen, uh, of course, uh, the, the 10 jersey will be prominent tomorrow, Bowden Barrett for your Blues and uh, Richie Moonga, of course, yeah. for the Crusaders. Both are, have been uh, quite sensational in the last year or two. How do you see that matchup? Oh, I think it's going to be awesome. You know, I think um, both great players, like you mentioned, Smithy, um, probably a little bit different in terms of um, the way that, they play in terms of style, you know. Moanga um, probably more of an attacking threat than Bodie, um, but Bodie's got that experience, you know, that calmness. Um, mate, he knows how to guide a ship well. Um, obviously, the way they've been going is, is, is a lot down to him, just having a driver in the seat that can control a game. And um, But, you know, I think the big thing tomorrow is going to be up front, Smithy, that dominance, you know, who's going to dominate up front mm. to give those two... Um, front foot ball, you know, and I think whoever's going to get front foot ball will, I think, dominate that 10 position. Carlos, as you say, you haven't been able to keep in too close a contact with uh, this competition because you've been away as such, but uh, you may have seen the odd headline or you may have seen um, the odd bit on YouTube. We've had a hell of a lot of red and yellow cards um, in this competition. In fact, at times it's been dominated, dominating and affecting the competition as such. Have you, you any thoughts on the way rugby is being officiate, officiated these days? Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one for me, Smithy. And I, I think in some ways for me it's quite sad to see the amount of cards that's been given out, especially around some of the... The shots, you know, I, I, I just think uh, some of it's stupid, you know. I just think just in terms of guys being able to react, uh, react quick enough, especially when someone's dropping into a shoulder or into a tackle, it's just, you know, there's no intent there from from a defender. It's just unfortunately that they're not quick enough to react. To, and, you know, I just think half of them are not warranted, you know, which is a sad thing. Um, I understand that. That's the way they're hitting, but yeah, I just think it's it's ruining the game at the moment. And you know, I just think if it keeps going the way it, it's going and it doesn't change, you're just going to keep seeing red and yellow cards um, because just in terms of reaction time in the moment is just no way of solving it, you know. And I just think if there's no real intent there from from a tackler, then I, I don't know how you can give a yellow or a red card. 
Um, mm. But that's my personal opinion. But yeah, I, I just think it's a bit, bit crazy at the moment the way it's going. Totally agree. I think the whole country totally is, totally agrees with you there, mate. Prediction then, a prediction, quick prediction for you? Oh, I'm, I'm going to go Blues by eight. Blues by eight. I'll take Blues one. by I'll eight, Carlos. No, I'm going to go eight. <laughs> Blues by eight. Uh, so that that means, of course, uh, that means, of course, they'll have the last two or three minutes to bask in the glory of a full house and knowing they're going to win. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. S- sounds good, mate. Hey, listen, uh, Carlos. Been great catching up with you. So pleased to hear that you're you're home with the family, etc. Look forward to fight for life as well. I hope the preparations go well. Thanks for the chat. Awesome, Smithy. Thanks, brother. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Carlos Spencer there with us, folks. Uh, King Carlos uh, with a few thoughts there on the boxing side of things, the rugby side of things, and, yeah, I'll never forget that moment. Never forget that moment when he uh, scorched in under the post and then turned right at Jade Stadium, walked and uh, ran out to the corner in front of the crowd, kicked the goal very quickly, as he said, didn't even really line it up, just knocked it over, and then saluted them down there. A moment never to forget. It is 9.23 here on SENZ. One selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, we've had two or three texts come in already. Of course, uh, rugby, the big theme uh, this weekend with this magnificent uh, contest looming tomorrow night, 7.05 at Eden Park. Uh, Morning, Smithy. I thought SENZ will be back on air when you were on, but I guess you are continuing with Radio, Radio Crusaders. LOL. Thank you very much, Chris. Well, hey, look, you just got to, you can't sit on the fence, Chris. You just can't, you can't sit on the fence. I have no affiliation to, to Canterbury sport at all. In fact, when I played against Canterbury, I loved beating them as much as anyone else, probably more, uh, because they're so damn good down there. That's the problem. Uh, but I do uh, applaud excellence. I, I admire their franchise, the, the way it's worked over the years and the way they've just been consistently able to set the bar high. And I think, yeah, yeah even if you hate them, you've got to admire that. And now the Blues, of course, uh, have realised that and have reached that level, and that's why tomorrow night's match uh, is such a mouth-watering prospect. So, yeah, uh, Smithy, the greatest sermon yet. Well, had me chuckling on my way back to work. Thank you for bringing some balance to what has been mostly in Auckland's centre bias in the media this week. Uh, whatever the result, a sellout stadium is a result we could have hoped for, and that is absolutely the truth. Don't you know it? Um, absolutely right there. So... Uh, other texts uh, to come in throughout the morning, we'll look forward to those, um, but also we're going to open up our lines very shortly here, uh, 0800 There will be a chemist warehouse voucher to the value of $50 available for somebody, we will make a call on that. Uh, look, it's as simple as this, uh, predictions as to how you, you think it's going to go tomorrow and why. Um, you know, uh, just give me a decent reason, not just because you're allegiance, go a little bit deeper if you like, look at the areas you think your particular choice will actually dominate the game, because it's tough, it's very tough, we've got Dean lining up already, I can see on the phones to uh, have his say, he'll make a judgement call on it uh, as well with his knowledge behind the scenes, so come in after Dean if you like, and uh, just give us what you feel will be the end result and why. It is 9.30 here on SENZ, it's Ottawa time. Talkback Time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. Yes, please do call 0800 150 811. You might also like to talk about the fact that it looks like Australia want out. 
They want out of Super Rugby competition. What is your feeling on that? Will it affect greatly our standard of rugby? Will it affect anything? Uh, would what would you prefer we go back to? More like the old uh, traditional NPC type rivalries, or to keep our Super Rugby competition going? Um, what do you reckon uh, about that prospect? Because it's on the cards. Their uh, chairman is making big noises about it. Uh, our CEO coming back and saying, look, if we're going to talk about it, uh, let's talk between ourselves. Let's not talk about it in the media first. And that was a reply from uh, CEO Mark Robinson about that and probably quite a sensible one as well. Uh, speaking of common sense, we'll always get it out of Dean. Good morning to you. Yes, yeah, Smithy, how are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Yeah, I've had a wee thing about this game, and um, for me, I think, honestly, I don't know why, I can't figure out why they're not starting Romano. I think that's it's a huge mistake. Like, he just helps lead them around the field, and he won't panic under pressure. He's got to be better than both the locks they have actually named. And I would have put, no disrespect to Tom Robinson, because I love that kid, I would have started him at six and bought a kid, or Pat, to be fair, off the bench, because he's hot and cold. But... Yeah, you go through man for man. In the front row, the Highlanders puzzled them. The Brumbies had their measure. So that doesn't work. And the locks were the Crusaders. I don't know about white lock playing with a busted thumb. I think that's, that's a wee bit ballsy. Uh, they don't lose much with Dunshay coming in there. And then the loose fours were the two sevens. They're equal. Um, the sixes, well, you know my feeling about that. So number eight, Hoskin probably has got the, the the wee advantage over I think it's Grace isn't it is the number 8 for them the halfbacks much of a muchness the first fives well you got world class 10 on the blues and you got Termstall with um, Crusaders so that, that's that's where I perceive the blues trying to go through 8-9 and just hammer that area and see what happens Harvilly for me yeah um yeah, for me, RTS stands for really too soon. I mean, he, I think he's going to be world-class, but he's just not there yet. It'll be interesting. It'll be really, really interesting. So I'm looking forward to that matchup immensely because I really rate David. I think his skill set is perfect for international 12, and if Bowden's not in the, in the pocket to take a drop kick to win something that we really need, David won't be too... He won't be so afraid to. Good Hughes coming back, but he can tackle, and that's all they really got to do, tell... Uh, Sivu to come in to help uh, Goodhill. Don't let Rico have space on the outside of him because he's lethal. You know, he's the world's best 11. Plan at 13 is, uh, does my head in. So for that reason, that cancels out the Blues' back three. And well, we all know what the Crusaders' back three is like. like that, that's world class. So, yeah, I can't, I, I just, I can't see it. Your sermon, I don't really even know why it rung, to be brutally honest with you. Like, it, you hit the nail on the head and. I just hope O'Keefe, oh, I mean, go watch some old-fashioned rugby at full speed and just get a grip on it. Like, don't just call a yellow card. If it's foul play, dead right, send them off. But if it's just a, a rugby tackle and someone's head gets in the way, just play on, for Christ's sake. Now, that's all I want. And I can't wait, Smithy. Like, I just can't wait. And as for Mr Spencer, like, I love that guy, mate. Like, I got a wicked photo at home of him when my daughter was just a baby down uh, Rugby Park in Chicago. It was actually the Escort Hotel, but just a top bloke, top <laughs> bloke. And those Auckland blokes back then, they all were. They absolutely were. And like, I, I don't, I, don't I, I support the Crusaders because I love the way they play. Back then, I supported the Blues. 
because I love the way they play. Like, that's it for me. And for mm. me, the Chiefs, they're the up-and-comers, mate. Like, they're playing beauty football. Like, I've said on your radio show that I honestly believe the Brumbies had that game penciled in three weeks ago to have a crack at the Blues. And if O'Keefe had a Blues whistle, like he should have done. Like, he's a referee. He's not a coach. That's the other thing that annoys, I was going to swear then, it really annoys me that they tell him, get your hands off, roll away, just ping him. You're not there to tell them yeah. how to play. You just, they're not interested in your voice. They, in fact, they actually hate you, you know. They don't like you at all. <laughs> but um, just do your job. If he's holding on to it on yep. the ground, penalise it. If the guy's off his feet, Absolutely. penalise it. Absolutely, Dean. I, I echo your sentiments, and I, pr- I pray that the referee isn't a talking point tomorrow night. I really do. Thanks for your call, mate, as always, your input. John, good morning. John from Auckland. Yeah, I pray too, mate. I hope he doesn't become a factor. But uh, just elaborating on what Dino was on about, about the front row, uh, when the Blues did play the Highlanders, Tonga Fassi did start. Obviously, he was a... He, um, you know, didn't didn't win as many scrums as he should have. But you've, you're up against Nepal Laulala, who is the best scrummager in New Zealand rugby at the moment. Probably not the best prop to run around the field. But um, if he can get ascendancy at that scrum, he's going to dismantle that Crusaders um, front row. Um, you've got uh, Bauer there, who's an up-and-comer. Probably not as strong mm. as uh, Laulala. Then you've got Hodgman, who's um, just been phenomenal, mate. I'm really disappointed he didn't make the all-black team. Then you've got Eklund. Well, obviously, he's um, he's probably been the form hooker of the competition. Cody Taylor's been in and out. He's hot and cold, but when he's on, he's on, mate. Um, then you've got Tom Robertson, who's probably the Blues' best player, most valuable player. Um, he talked about Romano being on the bench. He probably, um, at the moment, is better suited to the bench. I know that's quite controversial, but our, um, he's not as strong at winning lineouts as... Robertson and um, good who you are, but then again, his impact is just phenomenal. Akira Ioane, yeah, people say he's hot and cold, mate, but if you see him five metres out from the line, he is powerful. And if you can get him, you know, if, if you can get him around some of those uh, big forwards for the Crusaders, he's going to run around them. Um, you know, and then you got Papa Lee, who might be playing off the bench, phenomenal captain, probably should be the best, uh, well, he probably is the best number seven in the world. I'm a bit biased. Um, then you've got 48,000 um, people here in the Super City or Jaffa Town, as people in South Island love to call it. Um, so, yeah, um, for me, I think the Blues uh, will win. I've actually put them down as a draw with the TAB, mate. They're paying $16. Um, but then again, you know, you never know. These are the Crusaders, the greatest Super Rugby team of all time. Um, mm. Yeah, so who knows? Just quickly, though, on the, the Australian uh, provinces leaving Super Rugby, um, I yes. think this is a bit of a power play, mate, because I saw that they're not earning as much revenue with Sky Television. And um, they all used to share the revenue when South Africa used to be in it. So I think they just want more of the revenue, mate. I think it'll be a bit sad to see them go, but if they want to go, who cares? Cheers. Yep. John, thank you very much for that uh, thought. You're, so you're in the uh, in the Blues camp, and uh, I think Dean, it's fair to say, is in the Crusaders camp. Uh, what about Joe from Gizzy? How, good morning to you, Joe. Morning, Smitty. How are we today? Yeah, we're good, man. We're good. Well, uh, just listen to, uh, you know, one Crusader go through the whole team and give his spiel, and one Blues guy go through the whole team and give his spiel. Um, I just think it's going to be one with just the moments where... Last week, you saw the Blues 
had their moments, and then they, the, for the second half, they couldn't take a moment and really should have lost. But when you watch the Crusaders make 222 tackles and take their moments to win, that's going to be the difference. You can go through and name every player you want and who's this and who's that and who's this. But as a team, you watch the Crusaders take their moments and that'll be the difference. They are big-time players and they know when to take it. And the other thing, nobody in the Auckland team last week could put the foot on the throat of the Brumbies. Nobody. So you watch the, you watch the players who have the experience, the Sam Whitelocks and the... Uh, in that team for the Crusaders, as soon as they get to a point, they put their foot on the throat and they win the game. And that'll be the difference. I've put uh, money on Eklund and Cody Taylor because they'll be in the boot of those malls uh, to score tries at any time. And I just think that's making banks, Smitty. Joe, uh, I'd like uh, the fact that um, you've summed it up um, as a neutral, really. So uh, thanks very much for your call. And I, I do uh, honestly... Uh, I fall into line a lot with thinking. I think uh, if the Crusaders have to make 222 tackles tomorrow night, I think the Blues will find uh, a little bit more invention, a little bit more flair uh, than perhaps the Chiefs were able to last week. So um, that, that'll be interesting for me. And could they physically do that again? That's the other thing. Craig from uh, Tauranga. Uh, good morning to you, Craig. G'day. How you doing, Smiley? Yeah, good, mate. Very, very good. Excited. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm... I'm Born and bred Auckland, so um, even though I live in Tauranga, I'm, I'm a Blues supporter. But what I wanted to talk about was the cards, actually, and um, and particularly the, the double yellow that um, Pablo Matera got last week. Um, because one of those yellows was a, was a team yellow, it wasn't foul play on his part, um, mm. I, I don't believe that should have resulted in a red because it, it wasn't two bits of foul play from him so um yeah that i just the whole card system actually really does my head in um and, and i'm just really frustrated by the, the way it's all going i think that you know the, the cards should be um really on foul play and, and like i said in that one in particular that wasn't um uh that wasn't two foul plays on his part one of them was a team a team yellow so i don't think that should be counted to be honest i think that rugby really needs to look at look at that because we should be punishing players for foul play and 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 in that regard he he didn't he didn't um deserve i didn't think the red card gut gut feeling craig gut feeling on tomorrow night uh well gut feeling um the crusaders are class and have been for years and and i mean obviously the blues have had a great year so um, my heart would love to see the blues win i just think um I honestly think that the Crusaders um, just been there, done that. They they know how to how to win. Um, yeah, so hopefully it's a good game, and hopefully we get to see uh, see the Blues lift the trophy. That would be uh, what I'd really like. But gut feeling is the Crusaders will, will do it again. Okay, cool. Uh, thanks very much, Craig, for your input there. Uh, can't let uh, this Friday of all Fridays go without saying a quick hello to Zaid and a quick prediction from you, mate. Um, Blues by three. Bowden Barrett's going to get a winning drop goal, um, and the Blues are going to win 16 in a row. They've uh, been the best team all year, and they've won all their tight games. They've beat the Crusaders down in Christchurch, and they've got the home advantage, so it should be a lot. Uh, it should be the Blues game to lose, really. And they've got um, a lot of good players, um, 12 All Blacks, so, and it's their best year so far. So you're pretty sold on it, eh? It's, it's just done and dusted. Uh, Crusaders shouldn't even bother turning up, Zade, eh? Well, it's going to be a close game. 
but it's the Blues to lose. It's been all year. It's the Blues to lose. I'll take that from Zay. That's uh, uh, the three words I'll take into tomorrow night's game from you, Zay. The Blues to lose. Not sure the Crusaders will think about that. We shall take a very short break, uh, and when we come back, we might have uh, a couple more calls, but we've certainly got a truckload of texts to read out as well. Uh, we'll be back shortly. One selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.50 here on SENZ and one of the most patient people I've met. I haven't met actually in person, but uh, he's been waiting for a long, long time to have his say this morning. So Michael from uh, Tūrakaka. Uh, good morning to you, Michael. Thanks for waiting. No problem, Smithy. How are you? Originally from Hawke's yeah, good. Bay, actually, but that's all good. Good hey, on you. Um, really interesting about this, and I actually wanted to talk about the Aussies, but I haven't for a long time... You know, this final this weekend is becoming a bit like the rivalry in the state of origin, right? Like, there's the, the rivalry between Auckland and, 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 and Canterbury's come to the fore. Everyone's got a view on it. Everyone's got an opinion on it. Like, we've got customers in Christchurch and we've been on Zoom calls during the week and there's just all this banter about this game. And, and, and if it had been a, let's say it had been a Brumbies, Blues final or a Brumbies Crusaders final. I don't think we'd be having the the conversation and the and the everyone you know putting their two cents worth in that we're having at the moment and the rivalries that come out. And I guess that leads into my second point: is if the Aussies want to go, let them go, mate. Let's expand. Like Super Rugby's got to change, right? So let's expand mm. the NC and, and and bring the Pacific Island teams in and get three or four teams out of the islands. Um, you know, have seven or eight franchises around New Zealand that expand that, have our own competition and get this the rivalries back that we used to have back in the day, you know. And I, I think it'll, you know, let let them go. We, I don't re, I don't really think we need them. Oh, look, I'm with you on this one, Michael. I mean, what is what is playing against them? How does that benefit us? How does that benefit us over it the years? Because traditionally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's for them. It's for them to try and raise their level. If they go back and continue to play rugby at that level, at a lower level than we're playing at, how are they ever going to get beat the All Blacks? How can they do that? Exactly. You know, this is um, like this has been fascinating the back end of this week, eh? and you know, you've got, you've got, um, you know, you got your guys in the South Island. You've got Ken and you've got Zade and and. Um, Dean and, and it's just like everyone's got a view on this and I just think it's probably the best thing that's happened to regardless of who wins right like apart from a you know a, a tier one test match when did Eden Park last get sold out for a rugby game in, in two mm. days you know like I, I reckon yeah. New Zealand can do this on its own I don't reckon we need the Aussies Agree, Michael. Totally agree with you. Thank you very much for your call and your patience as well. Love your input this morning. Uh, final say, uh, Bruce from Christchurch. Smithy, uh, hey, mate. A lot of good points from everyone. Um, uh, I, I'm not sure if we're going to get the game we want. Um, it, these finals can be quite nerve-wracking. Uh, if the Crusaders can manage to keep all their players on the field for the 80 minutes... They've got a, a ripe old chance. Um, whatever everyone thinks the game plan's going to be, I know Razor will have a couple of sly moves up his sleeve, and perhaps Leon will as well. Um, mm. The All Black selectors will be pretty happy 
to see his two team two teams there with the players on on show before the big island series. Um, and like Dino said, I hope I hope the referee uh, you don't hear him and the players. Yeah. Uh, Basically, their discipline's very good. So, if the boys are good, thanks, Brucey. Uh, sorry, we, we have to cut it a bit short with uh, our time constraints here. But thanks to everyone for your calls, Bruce from Christchurch. Here, sorry to cut you off. It's nine fifty-four from the Basin Reserve, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And very quickly, a multi for the weekend. Yesterday we got done because the Dragons whopped the Rabbitohs. Uh, so we're going to the Crusaders to beat the Blues, $1.92. The Celtics to beat uh, Golden State Warriors this afternoon to level it at 3 all. That's $1.58. And the Cowboys to beat Manly in the NRL at $1.55. Multied up together, $4.70. After 10 o'clock, talking to Whitney Hanson, assistant coach for the Black Ferns. Really looking forward to talking to Whitney about the legacy the Hansons have in coaching and how's it going uh, so early on in the piece. They're two out of two, and what's it like working with the professor, Wayne Smith? Whitney Hanson, coming up shortly. Making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Been so busy all morning, hasn't it? Uh, talking about uh, the rugby and the clash tomorrow night. Uh, we haven't even really mentioned that the US Golf Open is deep into its first round, and the leaderboard uh, has uh, Adam Hadwin on top at minus four with still five holes to go, but uh, he's at four under. Yeah, and uh, minus three McElroy, Rose, Taron, Lingmurth, Damon, and Defu all names, uh, some of those names that I haven't heard too much about in the past. Um, and, and then you've uh, dropped another couple of shots down to uh, John Rahm and Colin Morikawa. So there's quite a lot of unknown names in the top 20 at this stage in the first round of the US Open uh, in uh, Brookline in Massachusetts. So uh, uh, we're just uh, we're still waiting, are we, uh, Logan, or we're, we're set to go? Still waiting to get hold of uh, Whitney Hanson. She's been uh, in a meeting. So um, <coughs> interesting, of course, that uh, they have made changes uh, and tried to develop their squad. Uh, they're 2-0, the Black Ferns, of course, under this regime with uh, Wayne Smith. Uh, and, of course, uh, they've uh, got Sir Graham Henry in there as a consultant as well. So we'll talk a wee bit about that when uh, we can get hold of uh, Whitney this morning. Uh, also, of course, the, this news coming through of this uh, possible breakaway by Australia, um, uh, and, and that is interesting. Um, they're wanting to just to get out, I think, and, and I can't blame them to uh, a certain degree because they just can't win. They can't take a trick, uh, and you know the fact that of the matter is they, they're really not that competitive in a lot of areas. And the thing is about a, a sixty-five million dollar imbalance in broadcasting revenue between Rugby Australia and New Zealand Rugby. It's the driving force be behind their chairman, Hamish McLennan, coming out and saying that they're going to cut ties and launch a domestic competition from 2024, which would, of course, mean they'd have uh, one more 2023 competition. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, about uh, Australia's broadcast deal with Nine and Stan Sport. Uh, that expires at the end of 2023. Uh, but there is a two-year extension on the table, and I just wonder whether that extension would include the possibility of going by themselves or whether they would be happy actually to uh, 
to just go it alone uh, over there. But what would it mean for their rugby? What would it mean for the standards? Uh, I mean, our, rug- our rugby over here sets the standards. So many of our particular franchises set the standard. Uh, so it'd be very hard to, to think Australia could stay with that standard if they're playing amongst themselves over a concerted period of time. Interesting. Still uh, haven't... Uh, okay, fine. This is fantastic because I've been waiting to talk uh, to this lady for quite some time uh, because uh, it's uh, Whitney Hanson we have now with us, folks. She is assistant coach of the Black Ferns. Um, on the back of uh, 2-0 and under the Wayne Smith era, 23-10 win over Australia. Uh, also 28-0, an impressive shutout of Canada last weekend. As we speak, the side is uh, in Whangarei preparing to take on the USA. They'll be tough too. Uh, Whitney, thank you so much for your time this morning. And, um, and uh, really, uh, I, I've got to begin uh, by asking you that the Hanson legacy in coaching, uh, how are you enjoying carrying it on? Um, yeah, look, it's it's um, it's pretty pretty special to uh, to be a part of, and um, pretty proud to be carrying on that legacy. And I'm a sort of third generation Canterbury coach, both my granddad doing that, which is pretty special to me. Um, and just really lucky to have the support of um, all my family, really. So, yeah. Yeah, goes back uh, to Des, of course, and and now of course through Dad, but. Uh, a couple of uh, a couple of months after accepting the role, and and to be fair, I mean you, you undenied a wee bit about it, Whitney, and and uh, you, you you consulted a few people, in, including Father. Uh, are you happy you've made the choice now, two and zero, and and you've managed to get your teeth into it? Yeah, it's a it's a really exciting space to be in. Um, you know, like the girls are playing some some great rugby, and I think we can only get better from from where we are. We've created an environment where people are really challenging each other for spots. So um, I think it can only get better and, like I said, a pretty exciting space to be in. You're learning and coaching at the same time, I guess, because you, you've got the, the likes of the Professor Wayne Smith above you, Sir Graham Henry, of course, floating around. Where's Clark, who's been in the environment a long time? So I guess whilst you're coaching, you're learning a great degree as well. Yeah, 100%, like really lucky to be surrounded by them. And I think in any environment where you're coaching, you're learning. Like we did a, uh, a panel the other night, we talked about, um, it was with New Zealand Rugby and Women in Coaching, and often you're learning things off the people who are listening there. So I think if you're open to it, you're learning all the time from everyone. Results um, aside, uh, how do you feel a squad has grown in the short time you've been with them? Yeah, like I said before, like the, the energy's good, they're excited, they'll continue to get better. The challenge in competition for spots is great because it means that everyone's, um, everyone's got to be at their best. But I think within that, we've also got a really great um, connection between people that's growing and players are really collaborative as well. In terms of uh, your specific area within the squad, uh, is it the forward focus? Yep, so I work alongside um, Mike Cron, both of us have a focus specifically around uh, scrum and line out. So the set All pieces the there, parties. which were, yeah, they, they were a big uh, feature or a big issue, weren't they, um, on the Northern Tour at the end of last year, Whitney. Um, so are you confident you're turning those particular areas around? Yeah, I think we're, we're working towards that and 
still got a long ways to go, like other areas of our game as well, but um, confident that we're making some good gains in those areas. What are the uh, specific things you, you have to... What are the, where do you have to close the gap? If you look at the England and the France matches from last year, what are, what are the areas you, know, you really do need to close the gap in? Yeah, like you said, I think set piece was a um, was an area for us on the end of the year tour, which was highlighted in a, um, where we need to get better. But I also think a big part for us was our athleticism, and that's been a massive focus for us too. And um, I think you can see in the way that we're trying to play that there's some gains in the area as well. The loose forward uh, trio, um, you've managed to uh, to start to get to some consistency around that. Um, has that been a big focus too? Yeah, I think we've got some, that's probably one of the positions where we've got some really great competition for spots um, within the group that we've got on this tour, but also in some players that are either carrying injuries or um, have some other stuff. Um, that they're working on and you know will come back and stronger and challenge um, that are outside the environment too so it's um, I think hopefully come with tough, tough time that's an, a real uh, point of difference for us Two convincing wins so far um, in difficult conditions against Australia but impressive uh, I would imagine and you'd have, you'd have walked away from the second game against Canada very uh, satisfied with the fact that you kept them to zero uh, which uh, outlines some quite good communication in your defensive areas. Yeah, Wesley Clark is a, um, is a great coach and he's had a big impact um, on that and um, connect that with uh, some of these um, ability to coach a counter-attack. It's, it's pretty exciting what that could turn into. What are, what are the things that, in specific that, that Wayne Smith uh, brings? I mean, you would have known Wayne Smith before you took on this role, obviously, um, as a person, uh, as a, a colleague of your dad's, etc. But now that you're working alongside of him, the relationship you have with him and, and uh, the things he's saying to the girls in the squad. I think there's a big push from um, Smithy, probably from all of us in and around being yourself and expressing who that is and um, playing on top, not be fearful of making mistakes um, and really pushing the boundaries. You're tomorrow uh, able to introduce uh, Natalie Delamere into the squad for uh, a debut and uh, Lucy Anderson coming off the bench. So have you been happy that you've been able to, uh, Whitney, to um, play the amount of players within the squad thus far? Yeah, I think it's always um, it's always great when you can give people an opportunity and uh, the ones who have who have gone already have showcased what they can do and have, have done the job and allowed that to happen. So um, pretty special moment for Lucy Anderson and that she's spent 12 years hearing no, um, has moved from um, midfield to eight to, to prop and has put in some massive hard work over the last little while in order to develop that special skill set in the front row. Um, and, yeah, an exciting opportunity for, for Natalie, who's still relatively young in her career, and, again, um, transition from, from the loose boards into the front row 
um, but exciting to see what they can both go out there and do. Obviously, when you make big changes, and you did make changes at the helm, of course, uh, Whitney, but um, of course you made a leadership change in terms of uh, the playing side and Ruhe DeMont. How's, uh, how do you find, find that Ruhe is settling into her new leadership role? Yeah, she's been awesome. Um, I think, you know, she's someone who's been a leader within this group, um, regardless of um, being called being called captain. And we saw that at the end of the year, and that was part of our decision-making and around, and I guess also the start of this year too, in terms of what she brings. So she's been awesome, and the others that have stepped up into those leadership positions have been great too. Alan Bunting joined uh, the Black Ferns in a culture and leadership manager role. Uh, Whitney, he, he, he's of course enjoyed success with the Black Ferns Seven. So, uh, how's him? What sort of impact has he made on, on the particular areas he's looking to focus on? I think he's done a great job so far of um, connecting the girls as a group and helping to guide the leaders to um, to become more autonomous at doing that too. Um, he's an awesome man to work with and has offered some great insight in those spaces so far. These, are, these games are invaluable for the Black Ferns because you, can't, uh, you cannot um, replace playing time, of course. But the, the bigger goal, of course, is the World Cup and, and the realisation of being at home playing a World Cup. Are these things you've talked about yet, the World Cup, or are you just focusing on the now? Yeah, no, look, we've, we've definitely talked about that in terms of um, how we want to be playing by the time we get there and still the ways to go that we've um, and what we've got to do to get there. Um, and it's very much at the, the fore for, um, for players and a driver to um, be in and be part of an experience that they potentially won't either have in their lifetime again. So it's a, it's a pretty special opportunity and I think everyone wants to take it with both ends. Well, you've got a chance to wrap up this Pacific Four Series unbeaten, uh, but it is against the USA, who knocked over Australia last week. What does uh, the USA bring to the table for you? I think in terms of their um, ability to play fast rugby, um, as well as sort of solid platform in their scrum to attack off. Um, you know, we saw last week that they're... they're they're hearty, they're not going anywhere or giving up anything too quickly and they've got the athleticism to do that for 80. So, um, yeah, that'll be a challenge for sure. Uh, just finally, uh, what was it like? I don't know if you've seen the photo, actually, but your old man uh, in the middle of Ascot uh, with a, his co-owners with a top hat and tails on. How did you feel about that? Yeah, it was a pretty exciting moment for, um, for him and um, we, we, we all got up to watch it. We've got a, uh, a Fano Snapchat group, and we were on all on that at about two two thirty a.m. and watching it from different spaces in New Zealand, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, special moment, and it's a hobby that he's got a lot of love for. So it's pretty cool to see that. It's see a hell of a horse, I got to say. It's a hell of a horse, Whitney. I tell you that. Are you have you got a, a share in a horse? Uh, just following on the Hanson legacy, because I know your granddad was seriously into it. Got your dad into it. What about you? Yeah, no, not not yet. Uh, I I also probably know that even though that one's gone good, financially they're not a great investment a lot of the time. So uh, it's not an interest. I'm in a, in a rush to follow just at the moment.
Okay, Whitney, it's been great catching up with you. I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. Uh, fantastic that uh, you're enjoying the role and, and uh, things are looking pretty good from this side of the fence anyway as you develop along uh, towards the World Cup. All the best uh, over the weekend. Um, and hope to catch up with you again in the future. Thank you for your time. Cheers, mate. Good to talk. Yeah, good to talk. Uh, Whitney Hanson there, of course, uh, assistant coach for the Black Ferns and uh, carrying on a great Hanson legacy from Grandfather Des. Uh, who got uh, influenced Stephen to, to coaching as well, and now, of course, a uh, very proud man Des would be if uh, he knew uh, the giant strides that Whitney is making. Uh, with the Black Ferns, it is 10.18 here on SENZ, and we shall have a panel very shortly. And this morning, it consists of Ross Carl and Brad Lewis. It is panel time this morning, of course. Uh, we've got Ross Carl and Brad Lewis with us this morning. And uh, Ross Carl, of course, uh, with the Sky Television, has a very successful podcast in his own right. Uh, Ross, uh, rugby has been the flavour of the day for us as we look forward to the Crusaders and Blues at a packed Eden Park tomorrow night, regardless of the result. That is great for the game. Numbers and sellout signs. Absolutely. I just don't remember an excitement or a buzz like this, Smitty. When you think back over the years going into Super Rugby Finals, often, you know, when they've been in, in Crusaderville, and I'm sure that people in Christchurch won't like this, the stands haven't been sold out. You know what I mean? Like, it hasn't been as buzzy, and that's in a much smaller stadium. I, I just think this, when we look at these two teams, we look at the lineups and the quality across them, the international prospects, just how well they've both played in recent times, it is. Just a tremendous final. Probably the most excited I've ever been for a final. Yeah, uh, I've got to say, uh, I am too. I won't be involved, so I'll be watching it from Hawke's Bay, but I, I'm looking forward to it immensely um, because, I, you know, it's not necessarily the one everyone wanted because, I, as I pointed out very early on the show, I mean, there's a lot of fans of other franchises wanted their lot to be there, but uh, I think it's the one everyone expected. Ross, uh, if, I, if I ask you for a prediction or which way you think it will go, how, what do you think? My gut says Blues. Uh, they're on a run. They've got quality players. They've got a freshness to them. And it just feels like their time. It's one of those kind of intangible things. You know, you, you look at that team, you look at the, the playmakers they've got, the key personnel, Bowden Barrett obviously has won it before. People like Luke Romano in there who, who know what to do against the Crusaders because he's been in there for so long. Same with McDonald. Coventry's done it with the Chiefs. There's know-how in there. Even RTS knows how to win on big occasions in rugby league. So there's... A huge amount of know-how in that blue side. I think the key difference for me, while both sides have got really good backlines, is probably playmaking loose forwards in the blues. I don't think the Crusaders have an answer to Satutu and Akira Yuane if they get go-forward ball, because those guys are so destructive and so skillful, and I don't think the Crusaders' loose forward trio has quite got that in its arsenal. Okay, interesting point that. Um, yeah, can they break them down? That's the key for me. Brad Lewis uh, joins us uh, this morning as well. Brad, how do you see it going? Oh, uh, a bit nervous, Smitty. I've been a long-time blue sufferer. Uh, and the the thing that sticks with me is the last 20 minutes, last 30 minutes of the Blues Crusaders game from earlier in the season and also the second half last week against the Brumbies where if you deny the Blues possession... Uh, and you put pressure on them, they do concede a lot of penalties, and they give away good field position. Their defence is fantastic. It takes a, a lot to crack them, but 
uh, until the Blues beat the Crusaders when it matters most, um, I've got to lean towards the Crusaders because they know how to win these big games. You know, like uh, Ross made great points about the Blues players in that team uh, that that have won big games, but just you know, Scott Robertson knows how to get his team prepared for these big games, and uh, so I'm, I'm I'm I want the Blues to win. Obviously, I'm a massive Blues supporter, but the the they need the Blues need to prove they can beat the Crusaders when it matters the most. Uh, Brad, you've just uh, basically, yeah, certainly. Sorry, mate. I'm um, just picking up on what Brad said, and then probably a key point looking at the weather tomorrow night is it looks like mm. it's going to start raining at about six p.m. And one of the things the Crusaders do do very well is play without the ball in the wet and put the other team under pressure and make them make the play. And that could be the key thing on whether the Crusaders or Blues win tomorrow night in those conditions. In the dry, I think it would be Blues. In the wet, there is probably more of a leveler there because the Crusaders go so well. And saying that, Bowden Barrett in 2016, some amazing jobs in the wet with the Hurricanes. So it it is an interesting, interesting point that Brad makes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ross, you bring up a good point too, because last weekend, uh, of course, in Christchurch, it could not have been more unpleasant when that game kicked off. Uh, and the conditions they defended in, uh, without the ball, uh, Crusaders were uh, simply unbelievable on that occasion. Can they produce another defensive effort like that? Do not know. Uh, Brad, I was just going to say, you uh, basically just got back to New Zealand after being uh, in Australia, uh, following some boxing, and uh, Andre Mikhailovich uh, expected to join the top 15 middleweight rankings following that third-round knockout the other night. How impressive for you? Oh, my goodness. This kid has something special uh, fighting out of Peach Boxing in West Auckland. Uh, I've watched Andre's last three or four fights, and they've only lasted a couple of minutes, and again, uh, you know, a three-round fight the other night. And it was an awkward fight for him against Astana, who's a, who's a veteran of 36 fights, and Andre in his uh, 18th fight took a round and a half to sort of get get his range but once he did this kid can hit uh with a with immense power and finish the fight with killer instinct uh that is you don't see a lot in that division you know like it is a it is a boxer's division it's a 12 round decision division and to have that kind of power will take him a long way and, and you're right he'll have a ranking in the ibf and wbo uh early next week uh, which will only lead to, to to big fights. I know that the Lonergan camp, he's looked after by DNL events, are looking at Michael Zarafa, who's got a massive profile in Australia. There's also the potential, uh, and Eddie Hearn was ringside on on uh, Wednesday night, that um, if he can make a deal with with Dane Lonergan, you might you could see Mikhailovich end up on the uh, on the big card, the matchroom card in Australia later this year. Uh, and uh, by all accounts, Eddie Hearn extremely impressed with Mikhailovich as well. Although, you know, he is locked into a long term contract with uh, Dean Lonergan. And, and Brad, uh, that brings me to the other point that he is on the card of Dean Lonergan's fight for life as well as uh, and correct me my pronunciation yep. here, Jerome Pampalone. Uh, is on there as well as an, another exciting prospect. Yeah, Jerome? Yeah, Jerome also fights out of Peach Boxing. Uh, he's fighting on that card too. Uh, Andre's fighting Francis Winyata, who fought on the on Wednesday night as well and looked pretty good in defeat. So that's actually an interesting fight for Andre. But yeah, Jerome is probably even more of a prospect than, than Andre, certainly through amateur ranks and now into the professional ranks. 
Uh, Dean's got a couple of really good young studs fighting out of Peach Boxing in Auckland. And, the, you know, it's combat sports in New Zealand right now, Smithy, has, has never had a higher profile. You know, we went through the days of David Tua, uh, you know, in the early days of Joseph Parker. But across mm. MMA and boxing right now, we've got so many, so many promising stars in Kaikara France fighting for a title in the not-too-distant future. Just a couple of weeks away, Izzy defending his title. Um, and Joseph, you know, a lot of people don't realize this. He's a win away from fighting for a world title again, Joseph Parker. So, uh, yeah, boxing and combat sports in general riding a real wave at the moment. Exciting times. Brad Lewis and Ross Carl with us uh, as we go through uh, the panel subjects this morning. Time for the 10.30 news with Araha, and when we come back, we'll look at another couple of issues. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Brad Lewis with us this morning, as uh, well as Ross Carl. And uh, Ross, I guess it's quite a good thing there's so much attention uh, drawn to the fact of the Super Rugby final this weekend because the Warriors uh, have got a task up against the Panthers. Almost impossible, you would think. It does seem pretty impossible, doesn't it? Just based on form, you know, the place on the table and what we've seen from an effort point of view in recent weeks. I suppose the one thing that fans always ask is for a team, even if they're outmatched on paper or have been through what the Warriors have been through, being away from home and, you know, having another coach go and all of those kind of things, you expect to see 100% effort on the field. And I think there's a big question about whether that's been happening. So if, if we can see some effort this weekend, that's all I'm asking for in the end. You know, they probably can't win this game. But if we see some effort and they, they stay in the match for a long period of time, that's progress and that's sad to say. Would uh, the results from here on for the rest of the season, uh, and I think it's a pretty forlorn task actually to hope for too much, but does that, Ross, does that influence your thinking on Stacey Jones? Oh, I think it's pretty difficult to walk into the situation he's in. Uh, I remember Steve Hansen saying the other day in the Sydney media around the, talking about the Bulldogs because, of course, he was involved in, in uh, consulting with them about how the first year is a building year for the coach. The second year, you get the squad that you actually want. And the third year is the year that you make your attack. So I think to to go against Stacey this early would probably be a little bit knee-jerk. Um, you've got to give these guys time to rebuild a club that's really been in dire straits for a couple of years as far as you know, its performances haven't been as good as they should be when you look at the people they have on paper. Brad Lewis is uh, with us as well. Brad, uh, your expectations for the Warriors tomorrow? Uh, yeah, look, uh, well, I was in Australia and on, on during the week and the Bulldogs upset Parramatta um, in a result no one saw coming. A 16-point uh, favourite with the Eels going into that game. So take some inspiration out of that. Like, if you're the Warriors and you're Stacey Jones, look, you know, these teams that are struggling can beat the better teams in the competition. Parramatta have been a top-four team all season. So that's where you take your inspiration from to know you can do it. And there's some quality players in this Warriors side. You know, premiership-winning players, players who have played international football. You know, Sean Johnson, a former number-one player on the planet, won the Golden Boot a couple of times. The players are there. They just they just need to have some sort of self belief. Stacey Jones needs to unleash the shackles, and he's made it pretty clear, Stacey, that he, he doesn't want the job long term. It's never been a goal of his to be the long term Warriors coach. I mean, I guess if he has some success, maybe he'll be he'll be swayed by 
by the opportunity moving forward. But yeah, uh, my expectation is like like Ross is is compete as as much as you can and, and get get at least to the last twenty minutes with a chance to win. And, and I think the fans will be happy with that, which is which is a real disappointment. But take take some inspiration from the doggies because they prove mm. that a lackluster team can beat a top team in this competition. Well, the Dragons upset the Rabbitohs uh, last night. I, I think that you yeah. agree that that was an upset as well. Uh, uh, Brad, and also uh, during this week, uh, of course, the naming of the first uh, Kiwi squad for the year, first uh, Kiwi squad for quite some time, actually, uh, to play against Tonga, and that's not too far away. Um, so Michael Maguire coming up with a side that had only one warrior in it. Surprised about that or not? Not particularly. It's an informed team as well, if you look at that side. Also, congratulations to to Tamari Martin uh, with his comeback and ascension back to the Kiwis ranks. But the the potential 13 that he sticks, that Maguire can stick out on the field to start that game looks pretty impressive. Joey Manu, one of the form players in the league, playing at fullback is, is exciting. And yeah, I'm not not surprised at all by by the one warrior in that team. Uh, that that could change in time if some of those players come into a little bit more form. Uh, but I just think it's exciting that that Kiwis Rugby League is back, uh, and it's against Tonga, who who also have a quality lineup on the park. Um, but I think it's a very exciting squad that that Maguire's picked, full of players that are performing at a very high level for the NRL clubs. Nice acid test for me too, uh, this Ross Carl, because uh, we're talking about a sellout here at Eden Park tomorrow. That's been confirmed. But uh, New Zealand against uh, Tonga at uh, Rugby League, the Kiwis against Tonga, uh, mouth-watering prospect, followed by the Warriors' return home. So a nice little acid test to see where league fans are at uh, in, the, in the fortnight ahead. Absolutely. And uh, uh, Marty Ma, Tonga have always got great support. You know, that'll almost be a home game for them. And I'm sure that that'll be a wonderful occasion. Um, and, and the stands will be fairly full. Uh, the Warriors, you know, that's a little bit more difficult because they've got to sell those tickets. And, you know, there are tickets left to, to sell, but as you get closer, if you don't pick up your form, the hype doesn't come as well, does it? So they really need in these next couple of weeks to make a big impact to make sure that that homecoming is the homecoming that it should be because there's a Warriors diehard fans out there who've waited so long for this. And those key kind of 10,000 fans that turn up every week to the Warriors, they love their team. Um, it's the other 15,000 who turn up to Mount Smart who come and go. So it's really important to pick those people up and, and get them on the ride as well. Ross Carl, uh, Fox Sports are reporting that Rugby Australia are considering leaving Super Rugby altogether from 2024 for their own domestic competition akin to the NRL and the AFL. Uh, will it work? Will it hurt, uh, will it hurt uh, rugby in this country? Will it benefit rugby in their country? It feels like a shot across the bow to me. You know, it's like when an NRL player is suddenly interested in going to rugby when their contract is up. Yeah, it feels like one of those things where they're saying, hey, New Zealand rugby, this relationship's been a bit iffy. You guys are taking a much bigger cut of the pie right now. And you need to know that we're not there as of right. You know, we will go if we need to go. And we've had some success in Super Rugby Australia, drawing fans in. Um, but I can't see them not being able to do some sort of competition off the back with New Zealand. There's got to be a Champions League style thing. There's got to be that Super Rugby trans-Tasman because they've got to measure up where they're at against the New Zealand sides. Um, otherwise, how will they truly know whether they're progressing? Um, and for New Zealand, it's, a, it's a, a worry if they do end up going that way and there is no trans-Tasman competition, because, quite frankly, Super Rugby Aotearoa has, has slightly drifted off since it first happened during lockdown a couple of years ago, and people have actually got really excited about having the Australian teams 
seeing them come back and mm. having something slightly different. So if, if it doesn't happen, what's the answer? Because the NPC is probably not the answer either. So there's got to be some other way of creating a, a strong rugby competition that is high enough quality to prepare people for a, a July Test Series but also um, brings in some more grassroots players and brings them through because if you're going to be at home, that's probably the big thing that you can do. And to make sure that this is even, do you throw away brands, super rugby brands like the Blues, the Crusades, etc., or do you add new teams to a New Zealand competition if this was to happen? It, it's, it's quite difficult and it's a clever play from Australian rugby because it really has put the cat amongst the pigeons and made us question really the position that we're in. You know, it's an interesting one too, uh, Brad. I, I just wonder, had the referee perhaps awarded the Brumbies a penalty in the last minute last week and that we would have having the final tomorrow night in Christchurch with the Brumbies being in it, whether these sorts of things would uh, rear their heads so quickly or still during the process of this competition. I, I just wonder um, about the, the motive here as well, to be honest. Yeah, I think you probably would have seen it more likely come out around Bledisloe Cup time. And yesterday, the reporting around $32 million broadcast deal that Australia have, and they need more money. Well, I don't know how they're going to get more money for a domestic Australian Super Rugby competition because surely the New Zealand teams are the draw cards in that as well. Uh, I'm just, I'm not convinced. I agree with Ross. I think it's a shot across the bow, and I think they're just looking for a bit more love and potentially a little bit of more money, like from from a broadcast deal with New Zealand Rugby helping out. Uh, somehow or maybe maybe Sky putting some money into Australian rugby but yeah uh, they're struggling rugby is struggling in, in Australia like, I, I mean I was with a whole bunch of journalists from, from Fox Sports and, and Channel 9 and Channel 7 this week and you know None of them, none of them, rugby's not on their mind. Uh, we, there was one rugby journalist there from Fox Sport and he was, you know, peeved about the, uh, the penalty in the Brumbies game, but it's just that their focus is on other things. It's on the NRL, it's on the AFL, it's on the boxing. Australian boxing right now is at an all time high. So, yeah, uh, I think rugby is struggling for uh, commercial value at the moment in Australia. True, absolutely true. Right, uh, just before we go, Brad Lewis, a prediction tomorrow night, please. Crusaders by three. Crusaders by three. God, we'll be on the ends of our seats if that's the case. Ross Carl. I'm going to go the other way. Uh, Blues by three to five. Wow. So we could uh, potentially could even get down to an extra time situation or a, a match-winning drop goal from either Moonga or Bowden Barrett. Wouldn't that be just the icing on the cake? Fellas, thank you very much for your time this morning. Ross Carl, Brad Lewis here on the panel. Another one, of course, on Monday morning when we reflect on the weekend that is about to be. It's coming up to 10.43 here on SENZ. Thank you, New Zealand, for making Polaris New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is the first round of the US Open, and Adam Hadwin is leading for Canadian leading at four under. He's going through 15 holes. He's a one-shot lead over Taron, Langmuth, McElroy, Damon, Dafu, Fitzpatrick, Rose. Justin Rose having a good first round. Of uh, the Rebels, uh, I think it's fair to say we can call him that, Dustin Johnson, who has resigned from the PGA Tour as such, but can play in this because it's none under their jurisdiction. He is two under, so he's having a good round. But it's a case of the, uh, oh dear, how sad, never mind, uh, for uh, the likes of Phil Mickelson and Louis Oosthuizen. Uh, they, at this point, are seven over the card. Uh, Danny Lee, six over from New Zealand point of view, and Ryan Fox with a couple of holes to go is three over at this point. So 
a Canadian flying the flag at the top of the leaderboard. Right, let's get through uh, some of these texts, and there are plenty of them. Thank you very much. Morning, Smithy. Talking about Canterbury Sport, I'm reminded of a period when you were the New Zealand wicketkeeper and you did a, a brief intro on television prior to the match. You made a very comical quip in relation to the Canterbury no-scrum debacle of 1990. Yes, remember that well at Eden Park. I can't re- remember exactly what you said, neither can I, but it was very comical and light-heartedly summed up the way that many of us Auckland feel about the Cantabs. Yes, it was true. Um, they depowered the scrums because they were getting a hiding there. Uh, brought a player on who uh, was not capable. They didn't have enough cover, so they had golden oldie scrums for quite a big chunk of that match. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, the Auckland uh, Aucklanders didn't quite appreciate it because they had a hell of a front row back in those days. Uh, Smithy, great interview with Carlos, wasn't it? Wasn't it great to to hear Carlos back on our uh, our news waves as, as as well? Because he's just one of our guys, isn't he? He's one hell of a bloke. He says it what a, a, how he likes it and. Um, uh, genuine, really genuine bloke. He's my favourite rugby player of all time. I'm a Cantab. He would have been a superstar as a league player and apparently damn near signed. That's uh, from Mark. Liam said, let Australia go. We don't need them. Get rid of a franchise and, and bring the glory days of the NPC back. Add some Pacific teams and watch the Aussies go backwards. Yeah, I think there's an element of that in there as, as well, to be perfectly honest. Uh, hey, Smithy. I don't know if the TAB are willing to put an option out for this, but Ben O'Keefe to be man of the match would be paying short odds. He's got a bad habit of blowing his whistle relentlessly throughout the contest and putting his whistle away for the last five. I'm not sure he'd be alone in that. On Monday, the biggest talking point will be the referees. Cheers, Paddy. That is an interesting point you raised, Paddy, and I totally agree with you. There are things that referees look to stamp their authority on in the first five minutes of every game of rugby that they're not interested in putting their authority on in the last five minutes of rugby, i.e. off sidelines. They just simply do not do it, and they get they, I don't know whether they... Ignore the calls from the AR or the AR doesn't actually come through. But, Paddy, you are so right in that observation. We shall read more of your texts out in the next hour, but we have to go to a break because we really need to talk to Louis Herman Watt and visit to Pip Morris at the TAB before 11 o'clock. NZ Update, your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. <laughs> It's 10.56 here on uh, SENZ. Time to catch up with Louis Herman. What? Where are you? What are you up to? It's extremely private and sensitive information. I'm at the pub drinking beer and eating the pie. Okay, fair enough. Okay, would, would, would it even matter to you that there are nine races going around at Waverley today? Excuse me? Does the Queen have horses going around at Royal Ascot Week? Of course it matters to me. I love the Central District, and I love a pun. Actually, by the way, the Queen had a favourite this morning, and it got mowed down. They do, oh, she couldn't get past them, sat parked, and they should have should have won, and it would have been great in her uh, Platinum Jubilee year in the 20th, to get her 25th mm. winner at Ascot, but it didn't work. But yeah, Waverley will be on a heavy track. Um, there's a bunch of nice ones going around. As I always said to you, Smithy, watch the locals on days like this. Share it quiet. Johnny Wheeler's got a couple, I'd say quiet, but there are locals. Um, Bill Thurlow, I think, has got one in today. They're always wily at these Waverley meetings. What a great racing town that is, but it is a heavy track. You want horses that are fit. Um, the Waverley track usually plays pretty fierce, Smithy. And then tomorrow, Trentham and Tarapa. The jumps racing comes to the fore. Uh, the Cossack, I think it probably is their best jumper in a long time. A bit freakish, and it should take the step up to steeplechases in its stride, and I expect that the $1.60 to be a multi-filler for lots of punters over the weekend. 
Totally agree with you on that. Uh, absolutely agree with you, Louis. What are, what are your plans for the afternoon? You um, you just going to progress through? Uh, end up what at the Fox? Yeah, I'll go down and see Beef, shall I? I'll go down and see Beef and Kim and give them a a little bit of moral support. I might have to have a beer, eh? I might have to get them to pour me a beer off the tap, maybe. Should I do that sacrifice for your CNZ? Should I put? Should I do that? Should I do it for the company? Should I you have are, a beer? You are. You are a team player, and that's the one thing that we admire about you the most. Uh, Louis, have a great afternoon. Uh, have a great weekend, and uh, we'll speak to you again on Monday, if it uh, is at all possible to speak to you Very on Monday. Uh, Pip, Mor- yeah, Pip, <laughs> Pip, Morris. Pip Morris from the TAB. Pip, you, of course, will be um, you know, just... Uh, just carrying on in your normal way with a very responsible attitude to uh, today with uh, Greyhounds at Addington and Palmerston North and some big NBA action as well. Good morning, Billy. Yes, I certainly am. I'm trying to anyway. And on the NBA, we'll start with the basketball. Uh, some really nice plays. Of course, still Golden State Warriors are the best back in the head-to-head beating with six times more stakes on them than Boston. And there's been $2,000 on the Golden State Warriors at $2.30. The most popular power play is Jason Tatum scores 40-plus points and Boston Celtic win at $15. And Jason Tatum and Andrew Wiggins each record a double at 7 And, of course, with the dogs today, Smitty, we've got some really nice meetings to look forward to at Addington and Palmerston North, including... Especially Palmerston, they've got the Maradiki meeting there as a feature premiere the following Friday. You can check out some feature markets on tab.co.nz. They'll close just before the heat. I think Diego Jim for Anthony Hart and Master Porthos are both value at sevens and nines in the futures. I think they're beautifully drawn up today. They handle the one shoe, a horse track kind of uh, course as well, Smitty. So if you think you're looking for a little bit of value, uh, I'll be following Anthony Hart's dogs today at Palmerston North Sea Northern Visitors. And go the Blues for the Super Rugby. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you, Pip, but I don't have to now. I know exactly where your heart lies. So thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Uh, look forward to uh, speaking to you again next week. It's coming up to 11 o'clock here on SENZ. We have Clory Flynn, Crusaders legend, after the break. In the meantime, we have another legend in Araha with the news. New Zealand's number one selling side-by-side brand. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 11.03 here on SENZ and the Blues and the Crusaders uh, first met at Eden Park in a Super Rugby final back in 1998. Yep. 24 years ago, it turned out to be an iconic match in the, uh, the competition's history, of course. James Kerr broke the deadlock in the final minutes off an Andrew Merton's kick to seal victory for the Crusaders, picking up their first of uh, their now Super Rugby titles and stunning the Auckland crowd. So now Scott Robertson and his side are looking to enter the sold-out Garden of Eden and walk away with their sixth title in six years. Uh, one man who knows uh, all about winning with the Crusaders is uh, Corey Flynn. Corey, of course, 150 games in a career that spanned 2002 to 2014. Perfectly placed to talk about the challenge of going to Eden Park. Corey Flynn, good morning to you. G'day, Smithy. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for taking the time uh, off the building site to have a chat to us. Did uh, going to Eden Park, did it did it ever phase you greatly or did you look for, relish the challenge? Um, no, I wouldn't say it phased us. I mean, you always know that 
uh, whether it be you know whether it be a round robin or final, you know the, the Blues are going to be pretty pretty special team, and um, I've been on the on the back end of a of a couple of hidings and also a couple of good wins, but um, yeah, I mean it's a, it's a great place to be able to go and play. Looking back on on your time in Super Rugby Finals, is there one win that was more memorable for you than any other? Um, I mean, the the Waratahs at home it was was pretty epic. I mean, we had a pretty dominant season um, throughout that year, and but the first one against um, I think it was uh, the Brumbies was was pretty epic too. I mean, I didn't play uh, that long, but um, you know the the Waratahs. I had a I had a fair fair contribution to, so I suppose that one there would would really stick out. Because they were the days of of Jade Stadium prior to this stadium, prior to the earthquake, of course. So when you when you looked at Jade Stadium as such, and I, I, I ask you this in comparison to how the Blues looked to Eden Park, did, was it your domain? Did, did you look to protect it as such? Yeah, we we um, we considered it a fortress. Uh, that was our that was our home uh, our, our home ground. I mean, when when you had Jade Stadium full and with the extra temporary seating, it was it was a pretty epic place to play. I mean, um, you know, we 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 put on, we put out some performances there that uh, would would really would really rate up there. So I mean, you know that. That was definitely a fortress. Um, we we knew that if, if people come to us, then they were going to they were going to be in for a hell of a time. Looking back at, at your career, you followed on from uh, the legend that uh, Mark Hammett, the Hammer, was. What about uh, those expectations of wearing a Crusaders jersey? Because you're always there or thereabouts. Um, did you feel that? Yeah, you do. Um, obviously, you know the the public in, in Canterbury is pretty pretty one-eyed as you'd know mate um and they expect they expect success and that that's probably um that's probably because we've been so successful you know they they demand it now and um they get pissed off when they when they don't get it so um it does come with expectation and pressure but you know you always have that now when you when you become a crusader so um i i think it's not something that's just heaped on you from at one point it's, it's right there from the start so um you know like you, you you build with that as a as a young fella and um and you pass that on when you're uh, when you're a senior guy and um and bringing young guys through so you always have it at a certain point Corey you've always uh, had great front rows down there in Canterbury rugby Crusaders of course has been the pinnacle of that as well why is that the case? Uh, you know, I mean, you, you've stood in between some terrific props, and, and you know, you've you've built an engine room from the front, which has always been formidable. Why? Um, I think, well, our game, you know, our game um, is basically non-existent without a good set piece. So, if uh, if we don't have that, we don't win. You know, so there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. Um, because there's a lot of pride that. Um, comes with what's gone before, and um, you know you want to live up to those um, those same same standards and and stuff, and and not let the not let the name and the and the club down. 
Corey, how do you see these two front rows tomorrow? I mean, the Blues have had the luxury of leaving two All Blacks uh, on the bench as such. So uh, Tuanukuafe and uh, Tuanga Fasi not even starting. So how, how do you look at the match-up tomorrow night? Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? I mean, it's so exciting in terms of uh, if, if, that's, uh, if, if that's one of the talking points, you know. Uh, a Blues front row that's leaving two All Blacks on the on the bench is is pretty exciting. Um, you know, you've got the Crusaders who are, who have have had a couple of injuries and stuff like that, but you know they they're holding their own. So it's it's going to be a massive match up right across the park. You know, it's, it's just, I, I just can't wait to watch it. Well, I can't wait to watch it either, and I, I hope like hell, and I would imagine you do too, that uh, it won't be referee dominated. Uh, and you're in the best position to talk about this. The, the legislation and the, the, the resetting of scrums, etc. H- how do you look on the way that the scrum is uh, administered, I guess, these days, as much as anything else? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough one, mate. I, I think it goes higher than, than the referees. You know, the, the referees are just doing their job. You can't. You can't sort of put too much on them because it's it's the rule makers that are that are making the mistakes in terms of what the what they're trying to achieve and um, you know the players are just just doing their job to to what they the, what they think the um, the rules are and the referees are just thinking you know they're administering and refereeing the games the, the way that they see so it's the guys that are actually making the rules that are the cocking this game up. So, what would you like to see in terms of the engagement, mate? If you if you were a rule maker, would you what adjustments would you make? Um, I think as soon as as soon as you see anyone going in, that's your that, that, that's your that's your class for penalties. Um, oh, in terms of resets, I would I would have one, and then it'd be straight to penalties. You want to see the game going. I mean, you want a contest, and if you lose scrums, you lose rugby. You might as well just play league. So you need to actually keep the game as it is, but um, you just need to because you you want to speed it up as well. You don't want resets after resets, but you know you want to have that contest all the time. Uh, Corey, what about the the way the game, aside from that, is, is sort of being dominated by cards? It's a it's a major talking point for for us on radio and and our our listeners etc. And I imagine from time to time with your mates or your your, your colleagues, uh, you talk about it as well. It's differed so much even from your time. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, and and that's uh, I suppose they're trying to make the game safer. Um, well, that's their that's their reasoning. Whether whether it's having that effect, who knows? Um, you know, but uh, the players themselves have actually got to get better. You know, they they know the rules um, and uh, the the thing about being a professional footy player is you're always on the limit um, that's you know you look at the likes of McCaw and, and stuff and he was he was changing the game when rules were being made so um, you know he's he always played on the limit and with that you're going to actually uh, get penalized get cards but at the moment the boys aren't the boys aren't adapting quick enough um, I think uh, the players need to take it on themselves a little bit because you know the the rules are there; they're stated pretty clearly, but yet you've still got guys looking to tackle at chest height, which is danger of making contact to the head. You know, so um, drop your hips, uh, drop your shoulders, and you you won't get any cards. It's pretty simple. 
Okay, uh, this regime um, for under Scott Robertson, the Razor regime, as people are calling it. Uh, how have you viewed that? Uh, and Razor's um, uh, is amazing success rate, I guess. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, how can you not just stand back and be inspired or in awe? Um, what he's been able to do in the last six years or five years with five titles, hopefully six. Um, you know, it's it's. It is. It's nothing short of outstanding. So, um, you know, obviously he's got a good team with him and he's got a good stable of players. So, um, but yeah, it's been fantastic to watch. Exciting. It's a good brand of rugby and the boys love it. You know, um, I've been privileged enough to be inside the camper at some part in the last few years and they're, they're just happy. You know, um, they, they love showing up to work every day. They, they love going into bat with their into battle with your mates and um, yeah it's just a it sounds like and looks like a really cool environment Speaking of which does does that mean then you you keep in contact uh, with the guys of your era very much I mean at this time of the year do you compare notes about what it was like compared to what it's going to be like tomorrow night do you, do you have that, that camaraderie still? Yeah you know you, you obviously got the guys that you spend a bit of uh, more time with and stuff so you keep them in contact we actually we actually had a Crusaders alumni get together during the quarter final and went and watched the game and um, we had a good turnout for that it was it was uh, it was cold as tits and didn't really enjoy the game as much um, you know it was a great advertisement for this new stadium but you know we got together and the boys the boys talked about how good um, the boys are going and, and you know how impressive it is to watch so it's quite cool you know that's um, yeah you, you get there and and you talk about um, the the way it is or the way it was and um, but no it's I mean, you always keep in touch. Tori, you played over 300 first-class games. Uh, you hung up your boots after 17 years of professional rugby, which uh, in your particular position is an amazing uh, achievement. Um, what does life look uh, like for Corey Flynn these days? Yeah, any involvement in rugby at all? Yes, I, um, I was doing a little bit of throwing coaching with the Crusaders um, this year, and... Um, I coach my wee boys team, uh, high school old boys under 13s, um, and I'm actually pulling on the boots this weekend for a Div 2 club in Christchurch, so still got a bit of involvement in rugby, I mean I love the game, you know, uh, I'll watch it, I'll watch it till I'm, till I'm uh, really grey and old and probably in a, in a box, so, um, but yeah, I mean... <laughs> Rugby's uh, rug, rugby's all is, is definitely part of my blood, and um, I love the game. Corey, wouldn't it be great? Uh, not that it won't happen this year, of course, because it's at Eden Park. But at some stage in the future, for the future Crusaders to run out into a plush new stadium, uh, Razor's been outspoken about it. Uh, Jace Ryan has been as well. Christchurch's got to have it, doesn't it? Simply, it does, mate. You know, it's, um, the the public are screaming for it. You know, as I said before. Went to that quarterfinal and it was bitterly cold. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, like I said, I love rugby and I'm going to be watching it. But at the, in the foreseeable future, especially in Christchurch winters, I'll be watching it at home. It's just too cold. Um, you know, I, I won't take my kids to it, which is a shame. They're, they're missing out on some spectacles. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it is. They need it, and um, you know, if uh, if. <laughs> If we get one, then, you know, it's, it's sort of the old field of dreams. If you build it, they'll come. So, yeah, it'll be great.
Are you going tomorrow night or are you watching from home? No, I'll be watching from home, mate. I, I'll probably be nursing a very sore body after this uh, after the two game. So, <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so when, when you're watching, uh, Corey, what what are the things you'll be looking for up front? What are the early signs of dominance you'll be looking for? It'll be it'll be dominant in the collisions. You know, there's going to be a lot of uh, there's going to be a lot of passion out there, but that dominance has got to. It's got to start and it's got to keep going through that first half. You'll see, you'll see patches of, of people dropping off, but if whoever gets that dominance and carries on, then that physical dominance will, I think, come out the victor in the in, in the game. Um, if they can, if they can rush, um, get that dominance for uh, the first forty, then that's going to go a long way. Notice I haven't said either team because I think both of them can do it. You know. Um, yeah. It's just going to be who gets that physical that physical dominance and carries on. Corey Flynn, been uh, great catching up with you, mate. Uh, I can sense the fact that uh, even though you're lacing up for boots and div too, you wouldn't mind lacing them up at Eden Park tomorrow either. So, uh, <laughs> hey, mate, and, and, and enjoy the spectacle, and I hope on uh, Sunday morning you can wake up and walk and, uh, from your point of view, celebrate uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of Crusader music and a little bit of reminiscence of the times when you woke up with a hell of a hangover after you'd won it, mate. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Corey Flynn there, absorbing a bit of this. Oh. Here's an idea. Wouldn't it be fantastic if somehow the Crusaders were able to truck those horses up, sneak them up onto the background of Eden Park and run them round the pretty surface that is Eden Park and dig it up? Wouldn't it be great if those big horses were able to do that? What a vision that would be, just a, just a surprise element to stamp your authority on an away ground. What a be beautiful thing. We're going to change subjects uh, very shortly. We're going to go to Greyhound Racing, of course. Every week at this time, we talk to uh, a personality from the industry. Peter Hetterick is a Cleveland-based trainer. We'll be catching up with Peter very shortly. Charity run, so uh, tune in each week as we try to raise money for uh, our Greyhound Racing, from Greyhound Racing, to give to uh, our respective charities. And also, uh, you can tune into SENZ every Sunday from 11am to 12pm for Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed, hosted by two legendary Greyhound experts in Mark Rosanowski and Andy McCook. And uh, on the subject of greyhounds, I'm really pleased to welcome to the show this morning uh, Peter Hederick, who uh, is a Cleveland-based trainer. Good morning, Peter. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. How are you? I'm really good, Peter. Um, and, of course, I would imagine you are as well uh, because you've had some recent success, and we'll talk about that very shortly, Peter. But uh, how did you get into greyhound racing? And tell us a wee bit about your operation in Cleveland. Um, yeah, I've got about um, four greyhounds here at the moment. Um, I moved over from Australia in um, 2017, um, just before Christmas. Um, I've been involved in racing all my life, been in um, 
horse racing with my dad over in Australia. Um, and I, um, yeah, I moved over here and uh, went to the Greyhounds one day and I loved it. And yeah, we went from there, got a Greyhound and yeah, yeah, so... So, so Peter, your, your your background in Australia was not around greyhounds, right? It was around what uh, what the thoroughbred industry. Yeah, mate. Um, it was the thoroughbred industry. My dad was um, my my granddad was a jockey. Um, my dad was a jockey. My uncle was a jockey. Um, then they all become trainers. Um, I grew up with the horses all my life. Um, had a had a go at riding, but no good at all. <laughs> so give that a miss. Um, so, yeah, then I just helped Dad with the horses and, um, yeah, just went from there. But I've, um, Dad's, Dad's uh, one of Dad's good mates, he had greyhounds, so I used to go to the greyhounds every now and then. And, yeah, I loved it, going to the go- going, going to the dogs. So it was good. Okay, let's talk about uh, your success last weekend. You, you won um, the Royal Commission Sprint, seven and a half grand's worth, so uh, quite a nice little stake there for you. Uh, perhaps the biggest win of your career so far? No, oh, yeah, mate, I haven't got past the class three, so I was wrapped. <laughs> I was really wrapped. Um, yeah, so very, very delighted. I was over the moon. Tell us about Zoe Star. I mean, uh, sh- the, the dog won the race by seven lengths, for goodness sake, and, and a time by of 18.41. Tell us your emotions there. Um, yeah, well, actually, she didn't win by seven. She, they've misprinted it. She won by a length. Um, and oh, wow, seven okay. lengths to the six lengths to the third dog but um yeah no right. she's okay. um she, she's getting stronger all the time um she's only young herself um in starts wise she's only had 23 i think 23 or 24 starts so she's only likely raced but um yeah she's she's getting stronger every time we start her so yeah looking forward to what she can do down the track and one of those things down the track may well be the what the Group One Galaxy Sprint on Cup Day at Addington. Um, yeah, we'll just um, see what how we go, see what she's what she's um, what she's doing around that time, and if she's still going as good as she is now, well, yeah, we'll might as well. She's got the box speed, so um, she can jump and run. So that's a that's a bonus. <laughs> Pete, uh, explain the difference. I mean, if you've had, your life was around the thoroughbred industry in Australia, just tell us about life around the greyhound industry. How, how does it differ as such, uh, coming to New Zealand and, and uh, going the dog way as such? Um, I, it's it's not really much different. I think it's just because um, it's just a lot more. You just a lot more love and attention and. Um, more detail with the dogs it's you know like um, I know it's the same with the horses but um, yeah it's um, not too much different but um, they're just so affectionate the dogs they just um, they, they they love you back you know what I mean like they, uh, they it's the more you put into the, to the greyhounds the more they give you back so it's just um, yeah it's I, I, I wish I would have found the dogs earlier, the greyhound racing earlier than I than I have now, you know. Yeah. Interesting, Peter. So, uh, as you say, you've got uh, four dogs uh, at this point. Uh, what about the other three? Have you got um, something pretty exciting on the way through? Um, no, not at the moment. I've just got, I've got um, Big Time Mossy and I've got um, Big Time Crusade. They're just, they're coming, they're coming through, um, 
just uh, coming through their grades now. Um, big Time Mossy runs second yesterday at Cambridge. Um, and Big Time Crusade, he's just coming back from an injury, so he's um, having a first start next week, I hope, at Cambridge. Um, but, yeah, they, they'll be all right. Um, Big Time Crusade will be all right later on, I think, um, over a bit of ground. Um, so they're only lightly raced as well, so... Well, we'll keep an eye out for them, Pete. Hey, great to hear your enthusiasm for the Greyhound side of things, mate, and great that uh, you're having so much fun with it. All the best, uh, particularly with uh, Zoe Starr going forward. I uh, hope she stays sound and you can give her a, a great old uh, effort at that uh, Galaxy uh, down in, uh, in Christchurch in November. Thanks uh, for your time this morning. Enjoy chatting. No worries, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's uh, Peter Hetterick. Uh, he's uh, a former Australian, of course. Well, he's always an Australian, to be fair, isn't he? But he's uh, chosen New Zealand now as a Cleveland-based uh, operation. Just a small operation, but getting success out of that uh, thus far and looking forward for more of that. Keep an eye on Zoe Starr in particular. It is 11.31 here on SENZ. Your last opportunity this week to stump Smithy here, talking in the third person, that is me. Uh, all the very best uh, in the, your endeavours to do that. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. You know the number. You know the rules. You don't know the categories, but do you know the answers? We'll find out very shortly. And here is Araha with her 11.30 edition. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Top class, man, what a big weekend it is going to be of sports, Smithy. I mean, we've heard all the passion and excitement from our listeners here on SNZ Mornings. It's going to carry right through the weekend, I think. Now, of course, it is time to pad up and grab your bat. It's stumped and up for grabs today is a $50 TAB bonus bet, plus some sleep drops daytime revive. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Smithy, before I bring in uh, the next guest, you've had one stumping this week. Can we go into the weekend with another? Would be nice to think so. Uh, uh, I, I would. I, I don't mind when I lose, to be fair, because it gives someone an opportunity uh, to spend some of the TAB's money, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, and of course, you've got the opportunity to win those sleep drops as well. Um, so, uh, look, I, I don't mind losing. I'm not a shitty loser if it comes to that, but I do enjoy winning, and I, I don't mind the fact that it could be a hundred bucks on Monday. Let's put it that way. To be fair, to be honest, depends who it is and where they're from. What have we got lined up this morning as well? Who is it? Well, first up, joining us at the crease. From Auckland, Blues Territory, Jason. Come in, Jason. Yeah, how's it going? I'm very much the Hurricanes man. Oh, okay. Plead for a bit of neutrality, okay. That, <laughs> that, that makes us think a little bit better of you, mate. What are the subjects today uh, that we've got lined up, Logan? Yeah, we might go a little bit easier on you because of that. Today's topics are rugby, basketball, and rugby league. Take your pick. Ah. Uh-huh. Look, I know absolutely nothing about basketball, so let's go there. <laughs> Love that. Here I said to Brian, as we were putting the questions together this morning, you put rugby league up as a category, gets picked almost every time. But here we go, basketball. Good luck to you, Jason and Smithy. First question, who will the Tall Blacks play in the FIBA World Cup Asia qualifiers at the end of the month? Philippines? Uh, just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Correct. Uh, New Zealand won 88-63 the last time they met back in February. How are you feeling, Smithy? 
Oh, I know nothing about basketball, though, Jason. Nothing at all. Yeah, good on you. Good on you, mate. Okay, question two. Question two. The Auckland Tuatara are top of the NZNBL standings, the Sales NBL, now into round eight. Who sits in last place? Man or two jet? Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. For a man who knows nothing about basketball, and I was here, I was thinking someone would say the Wellington Saints. They're second to last. Interestingly, Smithy, the Tuatara lost 99-95 in a thriller against our SNZ Otago Nuggets last night. Yeah, they're looking good, actually, the Nuggets. So um, it's a good franchise to be uh, a part of. I'm very proud to do so. Um, but I've got a feeling here Jason's played his best two shots. I, I think that the, this one is going to nail him. We'll see how we go. Last question. Everything's still on the line for you, Jason. In the NBA Finals, that series sees the Golden State Warriors with a 3-2 lead over the Celtics. Steph Curry is leading the Golden State in uh, scoring with 30.6 points per game. Who is second on their team in scoring? Uh, I'm going to guess here that Beatum? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Ooh. Wrong team. Ooh. 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 Here we go. Um, I'm going to go um, with uh, the Splash Brother. The Splash Brother. I'm going to go with Clay Thompson. Shooting One of threes. the worst things I have oh, ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, oh. Highlight Smithy. No, it is Andrew Wiggins, the Canadian. He is second. Uh, Clay is third. Unbelievable. Okay, Jason, you're a winner, mate. You are an absolute winner. Uh, you get uh, to keep the uh, 50 bucks. You don't get the sleep drops, but you get the 50 bucks. Uh, Jason, from a neutral point of view, as a Hurricanes fan, a frustrated Hurricanes fan, I'm sure, what about tomorrow night? How do you see it? Oh, I'm going to go on the back of Bowden Barrett, and uh, they're going to bring it home for us, I think. Okay, Bowden Barrett on the back of it for us. Hey, mate, have a great weekend. Uh, and uh, enjoy the uh, 50 bucks. Stay on the line. Uh, Brian will get your full details so we can get that money to you yeah. as soon as possible. Thanks for, ta- thanks for taking part, brother. Appreciate it. And uh, to all you other people that uh, tried throughout the week and uh, couldn't get through, uh, I am a bit of an easy beat, and I can, one, I can understand why you're lining up uh, so rigorously to do so. Uh, where we, uh, of course, in reintroducing it uh, next week at uh, 11.30 on Monday morning. So listen out for that and get on the phones. Uh, we shall be talking uh, a little bit of uh, harness racing shortly as we do this morning. Uh, we shall go to the very learned Greg O'Connor from uh, Crusaders region. So we'll get an opinion on the rugby as well from Greg as what's going on with the, the trotters and paces over the weekend. By brand. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's time to talk uh, harness racing now, and uh, we'll join this morning by uh, Greg O'Connor and uh, their normal slot. Uh, Greg, of course, uh, part of the, the dynamic duo that uh, bring you Trots Talk on a Sunday morning or Sunday uh, afternoon, actually, begins at midday along with uh, Michael Guerin. But, Greg, uh, this uh, weekend, uh, very busy at South Island headquarters uh, in Addington because you've got uh, night trots tonight and then you've uh, Sunday as well, sandwiched in the middle is Invercargill. Busy weekend down south. Yeah, it certainly is, Smithy. Morning to you. Uh, Addington, over the next couple of months, race twice a week. 
it sort of came about when COVID kicked in and we weren't able to use the other racetracks. And look, it works pretty well, and it really did last Sunday because the weather wasn't good, the rain was uh, pelting down on the roof, and everything's undercover there. So, uh, you know, it's a great venue from that point of view. And what you do tend to find, Smithy, as well, is consistency in the form. The majority of horses find their spot, if you like. It's either Friday night, where the stakes are higher, or Sunday, where the lesser-performed horses or horses that are out of form get their chance to uh, to pick up some money as well. So there's something for everyone, and you're right. We head to uh, Invercargill on Saturday for an afternoon harness uh, meeting there too. But plenty of betting opportunities, 20 races at Addington over the Friday and the Sunday. So we'll do our best with that. Mickey G swanning it around Royal Ascot. Can you believe that he's been there at the right time, Smithy, to watch Nature Strip and the Kiwis Chris Waller and James McDonald strut their stuff. I can't quite believe he's there, but I can imagine he's swanning it, Greg. Oh, and with the top hat on, can you can you just visualise him strutting through uh, the birdcage there? Actually, I spoke to him last night, and he said he was there uh, with James's partner, Caitlin, who had announced in, mm. in the last couple of weeks that they're going to have their first child, and how special a moment to, to be winning on that stage and, um, and Mick being there and covering it so well in the, in the Herald. But I know this is about harness racing, but, uh, yeah, mm. he is the regular guest, of course, on your show. He is. Uh, so uh, to, perhaps tonight, can you give us uh, one or two to look out for at Addington, Greg, to, to really give us some play money for the weekend? Yeah, look, if you're playing multi, Smithy, and I know you love a multi, David Niven's mm. flip of the coin in race number one, race one, number five, should probably be winning that race after it was excellent uh, last week. Uh, race two, there's been an enormous amount of money for a first starter. Trotter by Creatine, trained by Ken Barron. I only spoke to him half an hour ago. He said, this horse will go through the grades. Smithy, it's 550 into $2.70. So you've missed the oh. early crow there. However... Uh, where there's smoke, there's fire, and I just went back and had a look at one of its trials, and yep, it's definitely a horse with uh, with huge potential, and Ken also said their maiden shell shock should just about win race seven, race seven, number six. So there's, there's some for Friday night, switching uh, to Sunday. Like I said, the form really should stack up from week to week there, and there's a uh, horse in race number one that John Dunn drives for Henderson Hunter called Sports Babe. These horses are all between 2 and $3, but they're your multi-plays, Smithy, and I think it's a good way to go. And in the next couple of weeks, focus from a, uh, I suppose, a highlight harness point of view switches to Queensland, where Redcliffe have their cup next week, and then it goes into what they call the Constellations at Albion Park, where there's uh, some ex-Kiwis going around, including AG's White Sox, who's a dual group one winner, and I'm sure will fly the Kiwi flag pretty proudly. And Greg, just finally, your involvement for SENZ over the weekend. What are you? What have you got coming up? Yeah, we're going to catch up with a couple of drivers on Sunday. The Johns, Dunn and Morrison, both have very good books of drives. So uh, check into that. We normally do that straight after 12 o'clock, Smithy, so we get all the information. Race 1's at 10 to 1, so we get all that information to you so you can have a play on a Sunday afternoon. We're going to catch up with Paul Court. Now, Paul was the co-trainer mm-hmm. of the three-time New Zealand Cup winner and terror to love he's based in canada he's training a couple of horses over there so we're going to have a chat to him about uh, what he's up to and and what life's like in canada harness racing wise and blair wilmot who was the 2019 amateur driver champion uh, he's a big part of the amateur series uh, and and how they uh, how they run 
the amateur code, and they have their national uh, finals coming up next week. So we'll get the latest on that as well and uh, have a chat to him. And, yeah, that'll uh, pretty much fill up the show for us. Crusaders? Look, I think so, but what a clash it's going to be. Can't wait. Like, it's really going to be a step back in time, go back 20 years, and that's what I think we'll see at Eden Park, mate. So I'm looking forward to parking up at 7 o'clock and watching that. should be one heck of a game. Yep, thanks, Greg, uh, for that. I am as well. Looking forward to uh, racing coming out of uh, Addington and Invercargill. Have a great weekend, mate. Um, We'll catch up shortly. Good on you, Smithy. Cheers, mate. Yes, Greg O'Connor there, folks. Uh, just some sad news has uh, come to me this morning. Uh, whilst we've been doing the show, I, I see where a, a really good friend and colleague uh, of mine uh, has passed away, and that is uh, Don Neely. Uh, Don Neely's had uh, a, a bit of an illness of late. Uh, Don Neely is uh, one of the most remarkable men in New Zealand cricket, has been uh, for a long, long time as well, played uh, cricket for Auckland and then for Wellington. And a very astute captain too, one of the, one of the very um, forward-thinking captains uh, back in that era, had uh, some very good players around them, but made sure that, that he got the best of them. From that point onwards, uh, Don nearly went into cricket administration where he became in the end the president of New Zealand cricket. Uh, he was also a New Zealand selector, a long-time selector of New Zealand cricket teams throughout some very successful eras as well. And one of his uh, great traits as a selector was consistency and showing faith and giving people opportunities uh, and backing those people to do the job. He's a great communicator about cricket in general and a great historian as well, and that, that will be one of his legacies. He's written some terrific cricket books, um, and if you walk around the Basin Reserve, look at the museum, etc., um, the, the plaques that are uh, on the surrounds of the Basin, uh, Don Neely, very much part of them. Of course, the Don Neely scoreboard as well is a feature at the Basin Reserve. He is a household name and was a household name, synonymous with the game of cricket in this country. That is a very sad passing. New Zealand cricket has lost a really, really good friend and uh, it's a sad day down there in Wellington. So uh, to Patty Ann, to the family, um, uh, my personal uh, condolences go out to you and uh, through this tough time, bear in mind uh, the contribution that uh, the wonderful Don Neely made to New Zealand Cricket. It is 11.51 here on SENZ. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.